Hey guys, welcome to Hope It Helps. My guest today is a broadcast and PR specialist with over 10 years of experience in the industry. She was always passionate about media and writing and how you can translate the written word into getting media coverage for brands. She started her journey working in a small PR agency and it was from there that her career took off. She then moved to Dubai with her current firm, Marketeers, back in 2014 and was tasked with building and opening up their MENA operations. Fast forward to today, she is now the managing director of the firm. She works with some of the world's top brands and they have won multiple awards and are the one and only specialist broadcast consultancy in the region. During this episode, we discuss her career experience working in PR and broadcasting. She shares with us her perspective around the ever-changing landscape of media and we talk about the rise and growth of podcasting and what the future of the industry looks like. She has always been a very competitive person and her passion and drive have been key factors in her success. She has learned through her experience about the power and impact that media has on shaping our perceptions of the world. And the last message she wanted to share with us is to dream big, believe in yourself, and remember that the only person holding you back from realizing your dreams is you. Please welcome to the show, the amazing Miss Cheryl King. Hey, nice to meet you again. How are you doing? (laughs) (laughs) I'm all good. Thank you so much for your time and for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. So Cheryl, I found out about you uh, actually probably about a month ago when you did the webinar about the future of podcasting in the Middle East and the data that you were sharing like about where's the market now, where's it going and your background in like broadcast media, I'm like, that sounds really interesting. So I'm like, I'd love to have you on the show to understand like, because you have an understanding of what this industry is. So it'd be really cool to have someone who has more of an understanding, not just someone who's doing a show, like Mm. understands about the business and so on. Oh, thank you. No, thank you. (laughs) Uh, But before we get into all that, why don't you give all of us just a little bit of background about yourself and we'll take it from there. Gosh, wow. Okay. (laughs) What, literally from the ear dot? Um, I don't know. I'll start halfway through. Um, But yeah, I mean, I guess so. I've been in the region now like for six years, which definitely I was one of those expats that came over for like thinking I was going to be here for one year, just have an adventure, like hopefully make some money um, and then just travel a little bit and then sort of head back to the UK. But so six years on and like I'm still absolutely loving it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But um, I mean, I suppose my kind of journey started, I mean, um, I've always been interested in in media and and reaching people in in different kind of innovative ways, I guess. So I sort of first started back... um, uh, a small PR agency in Birmingham after doing my English degree um, and it was fun like I, I kind of wanted to I knew that I wanted to do something but I didn't really know what I was what you wanted to do. yeah classically yeah. one of those graduates I did an English degree and came out thinking right I guess I should be a teacher but actually I probably wasn't so much thinking that so I, so, I thought about okay maybe I could be getting into journalism advertising and PR like was this really sort of slightly random left field thing that I thought wasn't really a proper career so um but anyways like after doing a bit of work experience I found that I really I loved writing like that was my kind of default to go to and I thought I I kind of was quite passionate about how you could translate like the written word and how you could actually use it to achieve coverage and make an impact for a brand okay so I started out in um, a small agency in Birmingham but I think whilst I was there like I always sort of thought if you're going to be good at a job, if you're going to be amazing in this field, you have to be down in London. That was where the bright lights the hub, were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and sure. it, it was where everything, every, all the people, all the best people were. And I was, yeah. I've always been super driven and very competitive with, with myself. So, uh, yeah, I went down to, to London and um, I spent sort of six months traveling. Like, so I was very kind of, I think I came back thinking, literally, I can take on the world. Like, I can do anything. <laughs> like, the world's my oyster. So I had a bit of, probably a bit of, 
arrogance a bit about me. I was like, yeah, I can do this. So uh, I went and moved down to London and very much a kind of, um, there's a bit of a country bumpkin, very sheltered up until that point in my life, like early 20s. I hadn't really been out of my hometown. Like mm-hmm. the trajectory for where I lived was that you basically didn't really leave. So yeah. you stayed mm. there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that that was for me, it was it was quite scary moving to sort of the, the big city um, and to this huge kind of PR company I went to, which was amazing. But finding out suddenly there's like 100 people that are vying for your job that can do mm. equally, if not better, a job as you. So it was very competitive. And but I learned so much. And I, I worked for a company called um, Marketeers, which is a, a broadcast specialist. So yeah. slightly different to a sort of traditional PR agency. And we, we, we worked with brands to get them onto the radio, onto TV and on, online. And it was just exciting. And we had sort of all these different radio studios where we, we worked, had a TV studio. And we worked with all these kind of celebrities. And it was definitely like a work hard, play hard yeah. kind of environment. Yeah, it, like it. it was it was intense. And, and I loved it there. But then um, after a few years, um, I sort of felt that I missed my kind of traditional sort of PR roots. So I went to a tech agency and I wanted to work for a one with like networked offices so I could move around the world and okay. just travel a little bit more really. So um, I went to a brilliant agency um, called Lewis PR and worked under uh, a guy called Chris Lewis who was like a former um, FT journalist and he was like hardcore. Probably yeah, I can like, imagine. <laughs> he was like the scariest person I'd ever worked with and we used to come in every morning at eight o'clock and we sit down, we do the, the press briefing and we go through all the newspapers and sometimes he'd be like, so Cheryl, what's um what's the stock market looking like for this client? And if you didn't know that information like off the top of your head, like that would just be like, you might as well not even hang around. Mm. So he was quite a, a taskmaster to work for, but at the same time, like I learned so much from of discipline, imagine. like mm. working for them. And then, yeah, then kind of I was there for a year and, and just this weird sort of crazy opportunity came up whilst I was there. And my um, my uh, ex-partner had um, a job offer to move to Dubai uh, okay. to work for Emirates. And it was amazing. Like, And it would literally happen so quickly. Like this random request came in, to, you know, two days later, he was flying business class across to Dubai, given the whole kind of like experience. Mm-hmm. And um, it was one that was really too sort of too much of an exciting one to miss really so sure. I think we thought about it for actually about a couple of weeks because at that point in time we just bought a house um but also my um my dad's uh, wife wasn't very well she she had um she was quite sick so it was just a strange time to make such quite a big decision to sort of up yeah, sticks, yeah I can imagine um and leave but yeah anyways we, we did um in the end we it was the right thing to I mean it was such an amazing opportunity to go there and we always thought right if it doesn't work out we'll just we'll just come back and it's True. six True. hours from home you can always jump on a, a plane so um so yeah so I I mean I sent my CV across to um, a recruitment agency um and it just so happened weirdly that my now boss um he works for he's runs marketeers again who I used to work for at that point uh, he was in this recruitment agency office at the time because he was quite good friends with the guy that ran it. Um, when I sent my CV through, it went to this um, one of the, the guys that worked on the comms desk and uh, he picked it up and he went, Cheryl King, marketeers. And my boss was there and he went, yeah, I know her. <laughs> he was like, oh, she's just um, she's just shared her CV with us. Like she's looking to move out here. And he was like, send it to me. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then fast forward a few months, I'd met up with him for coffee. And basically he said, right, we've got an opportunity for you to run and build an office um, in Dubai from, wow. from scratch. And we want you to be the person to do it. So 
yeah, that, that was basically <laughs> okay. it. And fast forward six years and here we are. But, here we are. Yeah. Wow. Thrown straight into the lines then with that one. Like, yeah, I'm just working in PR. It's like, yeah, go yeah. open an office for us in a new country. It was crazy. And like that was it, for sure. It was like at the my big break if you can think of a break in your career like before Mm. that I was you know I was doing fine like but I wasn't remarkable I was just one of many cogs in a a big machine basically and at that point it was I remember feeling so kind of a lot of weight on my shoulders a lot of pressure to to do well but also super excited because we were introducing something very new to the region like marketers is a a broadcast specialist and he broadcast back in 2014 when I moved out it was quite in its infancy in terms of how it works with brands so Mm. you know video news content you know placing that on sites was different um you know we we were lucky enough I mean it was hard the first couple of years yeah I can imagine we we didn't really make any money and we think we were I was propped up very much by the London office and I was literally working in um an office just with one desk by myself just literally calling people up going hi you know can we introduce you to this like broadcast <laughs> specialist services and yeah everyone's putting the phone down saying you know great it sounds good but you've got no creds out here no there's one really no like knows. traction behind it yeah 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 so I mean it was only really like you know constantly be having like a long list of people to call and every day being persistent and slowly slowly like getting one client and then you do a good job and then you get another client and yeah. two more come up and then slowly slowly you work but yeah it was um it was like hard yeah, but, um, and imagine. a journey but an amazing one as well and like and now we're um you know we're, we're we're busy and we're working with some amazing brands um on some really cool stuff yeah that's awesome that's a great story that's a great <laughs> story from you know starting there and to end up like here who would have thought that that's what you know that's where you'd be after yeah. all these years um i wanted to come back to so you guys are a specialist brand, uh, sorry, broadcast consultancy. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know what that means. So, <laughs> don't worry, my parents don't either. <laughs> so could you explain to us? So let's say I'm a company. I'm, I come to you as a client. We want to work with you guys. Mm-hmm. What are the services that you offer me? What, what, is that, like, what does that all entail? Yeah, I guess, I mean, I say probably a good elevator pitch in a way or a way mm-hmm. to say sum it sure. up in a nutshell is um, we're like a brand funded news agency. Or a brand-funded okay. newsroom. So if you think about, um, you know, journalists or whatever, we're constantly working with different clients to get them on the news in a positive way okay. and in a controlled way. So say, for example, you're, um, I don't know, a financial company and mm. you you know that you... You're, sometimes the briefs we get is, we just want to make this famous. Like, we okay. want to make yeah. this story everywhere. We want to be on Reuters, the BBC. We mm. want to be on the Times. And our job is to think about how can we get you there okay through editorial coverage so not through paid for so how can we organically exactly okay yeah yeah so we've worked on some really cool stuff so um for example we're um we worked on a big project um around dubai design week a couple of weeks ago and that again was a similar brief you know we had to work with all these different assets and create all these kind of stories that will then land coverage internationally and sometimes it's with it's with anyone it's like Xinhua news agency in china it's channel 7 in australia australia like deutsche Welle, abc like so we basically work and i think it's been cool like the last i think the last year definitely i think our role has sort of pivoted quite a bit so i feel like we're working on kind of behalf of brand dubai and the uae to sometimes like extol the messaging so we're actually sort of managing the coverage and how the world sort of perceives this country okay that's interesting it's been super fun like we did over the years like we we worked on the paypal visit um 
to the UAE back like in February last year. And that was insane. Like our job then was to basically um, manage all the broadcast coverage coming out of it and to make sure we were telling the right stories mm. uh, in the right way and controlling the message in a year that was interesting. You know, we had the Catholic Church, um, we had like the, the Grand Imam coming across. There was lots of kind of negative stories coming out about okay. things at that point. And our yeah. job was to make sure every single piece of broadcast coverage was positive. Yeah. Um, and that it told the story of the year of tolerance mm. and peace and like um, all, unity and all these different messaging through broadcast. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Okay. That's sure interesting. That so, your question. Yeah, yeah, no, it did. <laughs> so you guys, so I'm a, I'm a brand and I come to you, I'll be like, Cheryl, I want to be in, like you said, Reuters, Forbes, whatever that might be. And then you guys write the content that you think would get picked up by them. Is that how it works? Exactly. Okay, yeah. I got yeah. So you might be like, I want to, you know, you might, it might not even be like as granular as I want to be on these channels. It might sure. be like, I want people to think a certain way about this brand, or you might be, you know, a credit card company. And I want to sort of shift sentiments. So people think of us more as a tech company rather than just a, a finance company. Okay. So it's, it's really cool. And the, the briefs we get like are, are so diverse. And um, for the one we worked on and recently around Dubai Design Week, that was uh, sort of telling the stories of all these different graduates that had come together to actually create social impact ideas that will change the way we live. And the job was to sort of one, to raise awareness of, of of them of, of that specific brand but also to kind of tell those unique stories in a kind of more in-depth way and to really kind of ultimately encourage more universities over the next few years to mm. kind of apply for this program so okay. a lot of it is um you know there's the sentiment that there's raising awareness that there's changing perception as well like one of our clients is um used to be thought of as a, a facilities management company they wanted to be changed that the kind of idea to be thought of something differently okay so we're doing a lot of work to get them to there and you can do that like well through like media you know through podcasts as well which mm. we were, were saying even through like you know this year we've been doing loads more kind of virtual live streaming so yeah of course yeah, yeah everything's going online. so everything we're doing now like if there's a press conference if there's a huge announcement you know in days of old like when everyone would do a massive physical event to launch something like a car brand like now it's all virtual um, yeah. And that's really like it's fun to do because it feels like now we're bringing tech into into, it into all. all that. Yeah, yeah, and for sure. And it's like moving the, the PR industry along as well because I think before like this region sort of has a bit of a legacy for being known as you know a bit of a press release factory and you know you'd write press releases journalists just pick them up verbatim and it's like okay great now you've got your 50 piece of coverage yeah, you know, thank yeah. you for that but it's actually now like looking at different ways of being innovative and sort of ditching the rule book and doing things differently and I think if anything this year has kind of forced us all to think beyond the traditional and more engaging ways that we can do things yeah and I think I think that's a very good point not just from your side as the creatives that are doing this but I think also from the clients the client side they've realized that like I said this year mm -hmm. everything changed and everything's online so trying to be in maybe like a newspaper now is probably not the best way to like be going about this we should be focusing more on the online and to switch all that up yeah and when you said about changing the perception so i get raising awareness raising awareness is one thing and that's probably you can you know through the social media channels and so on you can do that mm. but i think to change the entire perception of what your company was and the image behind it and stuff to make it something new can be quite challenging yeah yeah <laughs> so how, how does that like how does that start you know how do you even start making that change and i'm sure that's yeah. not going to happen in like one post two posts this is like a long sure. this is like a long-term thing 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it is it is a challenge. Like, and it's definitely not um an overnight awareness thing where you just sort of press a button and suddenly great we now all think this and we used to think this <laughs> exactly. so um it's definitely like a, a longer term strategy but I mean yeah how, how do you go about doing that I mean it's it it's a lot of things that go into it I think probably the way we would approach it is is firstly understanding what what that perception is you know doing media audits you know doing kind of a focus group to understand where the current land lies and also then having a clear focus on right what do you want to be known as uh, what does your messaging look like and then how can we get you to that so it might be the routes to doing so will be might be just through a really kind of targeted media relations campaign where we're, we're really sort of focusing on different stories that position you in a different way or if you're known for example as not really being a thought leader you know giving mm. you a voice voice and a subject and a topic that you're passionate about that you can own and lead um, and then the tactical ways to do it you know I I, st- I think there's so many different ways you know TV still obviously has a huge footprint here radio actually in certain areas of the Middle East reaches more households than, than TV though so there's ways to think of it from that side but then also like looking at stakeholders and how you can use people and your advocates to help you change perception um yeah, and then bringing that in through social media. I think, and I guess the, probably the main thing is is knowing your audience too, because knowing the audience, yeah. once you like know where they are, then it's it's easy to target them. So if you're a B two B brand, you know, if you're you're business driven, you know, LinkedIn is a, a really Amazing. powerful platform, For sure. and like I know that you use it a lot, and same yeah. as me. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and my life is on LinkedIn. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy, right? And yeah. even we've done like. I mean, this region more than others, I feel like LinkedIn's like the, the de facto platform to be on. Like, I think we've probably done business on like LinkedIn. Like we've actually like secured, I think the opportunity to speak with um, uh, Ali on the last um, webinar that came through a LinkedIn Oh, through LinkedIn, so, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's good. So I think there's good ways and it's good to see how this region sort of really, I think embracing different means to, to communicate and how it, it's so quick as well. And that's one thing I love about here. Yeah. It's just um, speedy to do things. Yeah, I think the, that's actually a very good point because I think there's a, <clears throat> there's a lag time in adoption, but once it's there, it like mm. takes off like a rocket. You know, so everyone true. gets on it, everyone starts using it and it becomes a new, the new norm yeah. pretty much. That's so true, and, yeah. And one thing you said earlier that was interesting because I had a, question about it so tv and radio now mm. the in the history of broadcast media we started with the radio yeah. now we moved on to the tv so that was now the new hot thing and then came social media and now we have podcasts and what you said was interesting that tv in this part of the world and radio in other parts of the middle east are still quite relevant so i was mm. thinking i'm like moving forward now with like podcasts with like social media there's so many ways to broadcast content do you think in a couple of years the old the traditional ways like TV and radio are still going to be viable or do you think we're going to get to a point that tech has advanced so much we're so ingrained in all these platforms and all these new ways to consume it that that's not going to be useful anymore? Uh, yeah, that's a really good question. Um but I think yes, they will uh, they'll definitely still be relevant and okay. they'll still be winning big. I think what um what I think is interesting now is that for example NBC it actually has more of its audience are online than actually traditional like consuming content. So more people are actually consuming content for NBC through social media rather than actually traditionally sitting in front of the TV and watching a program. And mm-hmm. like that's that's how it will go. Like I definitely it's like the merger it's like conversion media. So it's how things the media sort of blurring the boundaries and how things are pivoting. Like even, you know, podcasts now, they're becoming like Apple, for example, one thing they're doing to try and wrangle a bit of the 
lion's share of, of viewership from Spotify is to actually create series out of their own Apple podcast. Like that's their intention. That's why they have Apple TV. Well, that's one of the reasons why they have Apple TV. Sure. So they're looking to kind of like, it's just the different ways that media, I think, are, are, are moving and finding different platforms to, to kind of make themselves relevant. But when you think of like, I don't know, ARN, for example, and radio, like, you can consume that through so many different platforms. Like yeah. for um, when we're in the office, we listen to um, we listen to Virgin and Divine ninety two through laptops and through our TV screens. And then there's the the different ways that that media is sort of moving beyond that. You know, Golf News, for example, has its Golf News Reach online platform. Yeah, you know, Arabian Business did AB Live. It had its podcast arm to it as well. The National has a podcast too. So I think it's exciting for media at the moment because they're kind of operating outside of like the four walls of what yeah, exactly. maybe what they're known for and they yeah. have to do that because if they don't they'll they'll fail they won't be competitive audience habits are changing you know it, i think it's weird as, as well because there's a lot around like snackable content now like people's attention spans are getting shorter like so. tiktok for example like the king yeah of that. yeah for sure and then like through ig live and instagram like 15 second pieces and then, um, so that's one way like to reach like the, the youth culture, but then also like podcasts have come along as this kind of not really new kid on the block because they've been around since 2005, but they're sort of relevant now more so. Exactly. And they're longer, like, you know, this podcast isn't 15 seconds. It's going to be <laughs> it's definitely the way like we're talking, but, but yeah, it's like, it's, yeah. it's crazy how like that is defying like the trend for, for shorter content because podcasts are kind of completely different. And that's, you know, there's like, um, you know, This American Life, when that came on board and sort of really, I think, put podcasts on the map in terms of real kind of binge watch, a listening, popular content like that. Yeah. They were long. And then, you know, Joe Rogan's podcast, some of them are like three hours. Yeah, right? yeah I don't know so, how it goes three hours, to be honest. Exactly. And so that kind of changes things. But yeah, it's just how media is, is, is just moving and how audiences like habits are completely changing. And again, this year as well, I think with people being on lockdown, having more time on their hands, um, that's where podcasts have, have won big, and I think radio and TV is thinking about how they how they move and what their next steps are. So yeah. yeah, one thing you said actually that I didn't pay attention to that's so true is that, like you said, there's a big push right now for snackable content, so like 15 seconds TikTok, quick, you consume it and yeah. you want more and more and more. But at the same time, the popularity of podcasts are increasing, which are much longer. So it's weird to have those two things going on at once. Yeah. Why do you have? A lack of attention here, but you have more of attention here. Is it maybe the content? Do you want this is more to a conversation? What do you think is the reason that those two those two things almost shouldn't exist at the same time? Do you understand yeah. what I mean? It's weird. It is. It, it is super. Yeah, it is strange. And yeah. but I think I think people just. I think if you go back to what people listen to and what they're they're looking for so when you think about snackable content it's always quick you know when you're yeah. on instagram you're scrolling your, your attention span is short like that's a lot of the time why they do like text even on facebook when you watch a video they have the text on the the video because a lot of people don't actually listen with their sound on so yeah so you're just reading along just reading it mm, um, yeah. but your attention span there is maybe because the content perhaps isn't quite as like is specific or targeted you're just scrolling down so you want something that's just going to hook you in you know if they haven't got you within the first few seconds you switch off and true that's yeah. like i mean and that works for like the i mean the 
the generations coming up so the the gen y um, yeah. whatever version of generation we're on now <laughs> like they're literally like they that works for them because they're of that culture where, which is like instant gratification that's exactly. where tiktok wins big but but podcasts as well like that's i think completely different and when you listen to a podcast you know you're not an accidental listener you don't just happen upon a podcast you listen to it because you have a very specific that's true like interest in that one like you know if you're interested in uh, a podcast around i don't know psychology or, or business or sport or whatever then you're, you're going to be focused on that and you're going to have an, an interest in it so therefore i would say it's you know the longer form content works because it's playing to everything that you're you're keen on yeah um but yeah i mean the rates for like consumption on podcasts like, i think 93 percent of people that listen to a podcast finish it so wow that's huge it's massive and like even in this region i think the average length of podcast is about like 48 minutes so on that like if people are listening to most of that then and even for like a brand like because that's the way we come at it you can say a lot in that time so of course yeah it's huge so yeah um one thing that you were talking about like you're so right you don't accidentally like listen to a podcast it's not like music you're on the radio a song comes on that you weren't planning to listen to and you're like and then you find out about it. a podcast is a very targeted thing that you're going out to seek but i think the contrast between the two because we're i think all of us but like you said the younger generation for sure it's snackable mm-hmm. content snackable content for sure but i think the like in the older generations you find that snackable content's cool and it can be addictive and you can actually stay on tiktok for like an hour like not gonna lie just like scrolling it's endless <laughs> entertainment but yeah i think with podcasts why i was just thinking why there might be a big push towards it is value mm. what's your like this i'm watching for entertainment but this i'm listening to or watching for genuine value i want to get something from this whether it's an insight whether it's a tool whether it's just something yeah. I'm passionate about. There's some value that I'm going to come out of that. I think yeah. that might be the contrast between the two. Yeah, absolutely. You're listening to be informed. You're listening to listening to educate yourself and you're listening to, to get something from it. So yeah, you're, you're listening to it. Your, your kind of motivations for listening to are probably quite different. Yeah. Um, you know, and yeah, like, and there's so many different platforms now. Like, I mean, it's been great to see like this year, like Angami sort of come into the, the mix as like for this region, from this region. And then you've got like the usual suspects of Spotify find the apple out there and it's just it's it's really good and like we work with this one brand um finyal media and they basically are this big podcast network just yeah. for um arabic speakers mm-hmm. and they create like arabic fiction series and it's it's great to see what they're doing as content um creators and curators that they're like putting that together and having very dedicated like specific content and you know you see podcasts winning massively in saudi as well like huge yeah it, there's a huge, huge audience yeah, there yeah. And it's good to see like these because I guess like, um, you know, in the UK, for example, we have Ofcom you know, that regulates everything mm. um, yeah. to the nth degree. Like there's nothing here at the moment that at the moment anyways uh, for podcasting. So it is this big sort of open forum, unregulated forum that people can speak uh, in a very kind of unapologetic, very free yeah, manner um, exactly. that people are loving. And, you know, podcasts win big with like youth as just as well as like with old, older people as well. Like the split is pretty much there's not really much in it so yeah. it's good to see like i think there's a podcast for for anything you're interested 100%. in <laughs> by now yeah for sure literally anything from cooking to therapy to anything in between yeah. you'll find something 100 yeah uh, in the webinar there was a couple of points i wanted to pick up on because i thought they were very interesting one thing you said was the younger listeners like the younger generation for example they don't relate to mainstream media or like typical media that's why tiktok and like maybe even our age like 
TikTok, like all the podcasts, that's why we're interested in them because it's not mm. what we don't relate to the typical thing. So I was starting to think, has that always been the case? Because think about it. In the past, you only had like radio, you only had TV. So did younger people not relate to it even then? Or now because you have so many new ways to consume content, has it become much more prevalent now? Yeah, yeah. I think the, the I guess younger people coming up now, they're just the whole media landscape is so different. Yeah. You know, they're growing up as worldly citizens when you know you're bombarded so much with, with so much uh, content it's, it's an overload and, it is. and social media you know you you think you wake up in the morning first thing you do you check your check, phone yeah. you got 50 <laughs> whatsapp <laughs> messages you got instagram <laughs> facebook tiktok like all these things coming at you and i think it's it's crazy now. I mean, my my nephew, he's nine, and he's already kind of swiping on a on an iPad. Like a pro, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And it's just it's a completely different set of media, and it, it can I think it can be dangerous. You know, it, there's so much content coming at people, and to be able to navigate that, um, and I guess you know that it does sort of coincide with you know publishing houses are struggling a little bit like print media has sort of struggled mm. you know, people aren't picking up a paper as much as before and sure. going away reading it for a couple of hours like that you know how we consume content is completely changing and then all of a sudden against this backdrop you've got you know people are becoming tiktok stars overnight um yeah, it's, it's it's really um in, interesting how it's how it's so different now but then you know radio is still like it's, it's still powerful like you know the chris fade show has a, there's more listeners than ever like uh divine 92 there's, there's like lots of content there and then you've also got like the big players you know your bbc's your writers your sky news of, of the world that's um continuing to sort of create or deliver amazing journalism and yeah. g give some great sort of content so yeah i think i think it's just different ways that yeah. people are consuming content now and it'll yeah. be interesting to see how if we get more platforms like tiktok there's, there's so many different ones and i think like you know what spotify and, and apple are doing as well in in terms of like the audio space is is going to be one to keep an eye on and i think even what we see probably what's going to happen in the next five years is um there's going to be voice-based search as well so you know alexa find me a podcast on this and yeah or yeah true yeah so sure. that'll be like how media continues to keep converging and yeah i think it's just such a different um, game to, to be in now than perhaps like 10 years ago. But I think for people that, that work in, in the PR industry and comms industry, like for us, it just, it keeps us you on your toes because it's contracting in a way. Like, you know, I know there's so many media houses now that have sort of had to reduce workforces because of this year. They're not doing as much content as before. So it's, it's making everyone, I think, on the flip side, on the positive side, like think differently and try new things, yeah. experiment with yeah. new things. And it's all online. And that's, yeah, of, of course, how it, things will continue to go. Yeah. And I think like you made a very good point that the landscape of people growing up now and like even how we grew up it ha completely changed to like our parents generation, for example. And like mm. you said, it can be overwhelming. And this is what I was yeah. thinking about. I'm <laughs> like, OK, with a TV, TV station, with a radio station, that with each one, there's kind of a, a message you're pushing. Behind all the news that I'm pushing, there's a certain agenda I'm trying to push, whether it's radio, whether it's that, and there's rules mm. that govern that. So I couldn't come on like a TV station and talk about something that goes completely against like what their brand is. Mm. So with podcasts though, like you said, it's very authentic, it's very natural. And a lot of the times, if it's not, it's not company-based, it's a person like myself or like many other people. So you get access to so many 
different opinions and views on anything on any topic mm-hmm. and so on and like you said that can be overwhelming so you know how now there's all that the last few is like what's real news what's fake news and yeah. all this kind of stuff coming on so it it can like you said it's positive because you have access to so many more opinions but i believe it's now if anything 10 times harder to formulate your own what do you think yeah or is it i don't know i mean or does that just give you equip you with more I guess points of yeah, exactly like mm. perspectives so you have a bit more information so you can think okay actually like then this is what I think because I've listened to multiple different views on, on something um but yeah I mean you know there's 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 always an agenda right I think yeah. with um with, with any sort of media um yeah so trying to sort of sift through the noise I think and, and figure not, out yeah. what you think it's not easy and you know there's so I mean <laughs> there's sort of the daily mail culture back in not not just the UK but but everywhere where you know this it's so kind of pushing people down a specific way and making yeah. people think certain way about people things ideologies their political bias you know what they think about gender what they think about you know left or right wing like it's, it's make it it definitely it, it infiltrates you know the media is, is hugely powerful like it, yeah to like an absolutely massive degree like it's it's kind of supports it, elections like yeah, it, it, the exactly, political yeah. landscape you know propaganda it was used in times of old to kind of convince people to do something or behave a certain way or convince people to follow a certain political ideology so yeah. there's um yeah of course like free speech is is hugely important but with the media there's um they're they're, they're controlled by very specific ha- like media houses exactly and yeah. they're always pushing the you know the party line but yeah i guess it it must be i think it is it's sort of finding out you're, you're right you're the media outlets that you sort of feel reflect your views like i mean i love reading the bbc because i feel that is reports obviously 100 percent has its own and there's a known sort of spin on certain things but sure. at least you feel like you're getting a bit of factual information at some point so yeah, yeah. um but yeah i guess there's there's so much there and i think the media has um a huge role in terms of shaping what we think about things and and that's why it's such a powerful influential tool yeah yeah no so, for sure no yeah. it makes sense i think at the end of the i think you made a good point like you are open to so many more perspectives now because yeah. you have access to all this i think it's just figuring out what you know trying to sift through everything and figure out, okay, this is what I think, or I believe this channel yeah. fully reflects what I, you know, support and believe at the end of the day. And taking things with a bit of a pinch of salt as well. Like, yeah, exactly, um, yeah. I know when I speak to my parents back home and they're like, oh, did you see the papers? And did you see the headline <laughs> on this? And you're like, well, yeah, that may, you may think that, but actually read this and it may change what you think about things. So, and it just shows you how polarized some media can be. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. I wanted to come back to uh, the whole podcast discussion. So, so a lot of, like you said earlier, a lot of companies and a lot of brands now have a podcast. And I know you guys have one too, and I'll get into that in a little bit. But what I, and when I went to, so I went to a podcast workshop before I started all this. Uh, it was by, her name is Hiba Fisher. She's the CEO oh, cool. of Kernan Cultures. And yeah. I've had her on the podcast. She's amazing. Yeah, she's awesome. <laughs> uh, so she did a whole podcast workshop for like one day, and I went to it before I launched mine. And when I was there, the interesting thing was, and that was my first like wake up call. I was the only one there that was there to start like my own podcast as an individual. Everyone else was there from a company. So clearly I'm like, so podcasts are not a big thing for like a company. But the thing I was trying to understand is why is that such a, why is there such a big push for that now? That's what I'm trying to understand. I'm like, is it because a podcast is supposed to be free? It's supposed to be authentic. And I don't know 
when it's yeah. coming from a brand if you can still achieve that same field do you understand what i mean yeah yeah no that, that's a good point and like you're right like they are completely like they're, they're meant to be authentic but then i think from a brand perspective that is a huge bonus because mm. they're trusted like they're one of the most trusted for um forms of medium so that's the kind of excitement for for a brand so um, i think what we've seen as well um internal comms is a, a massive opportunity for for podcasts as well and we work with quite a a few different um aviation brands and, and tech brands when it comes to podcasts because you think you know if you think about um I don't know, an airport, for example, and so many kind of people are, are disparate. Your whole workforce is is on different locations. You might have some people uh, literally on the runway, like other people in the back office, other people in like another country. And you've got all these these people that are like, are just so kind of disparate and not there's nothing they're not together like so how do you communicate as yeah, a business exactly. with all these people yeah. and like yes you can send out an email newsletter yes you can try and do a town hall meeting but is it actually effective you know how are you going to get all these people together at the same time so i think podcasts by their nature work so well for that so how do you speak to people easily well you look at the one common device to all you know everyone has a smartphone podcasts okay. mm-hmm. are mobile first yeah they are. um you can you know you don't you can download them um when you're on wi-fi you can listen to them at your leisure it's, it's radio on demand in in essence so that's a, a great way to speak to people and if you're thinking of a brand you know how can you how can you sort of speak to that many people very simply well one through a podcast and they're known to have a lot more transparency you know when you sometimes you listen to a video you think oh how many times has that been edited? Mm. You know, how mm. polished is it? Or, you yeah. know, the guy looks like he's reading up an auto cue. But, you know, podcasts, as you mentioned, it's, it's authentic. You know, we are just, you're having a conversation and that's a huge way to speak to people. So I think, yeah, from, from a brand perspective, internal comms and podcasts work uh, amazingly well. And then from a kind of external comms perspective, so thinking about your, your message out to people, um, again, a huge opportunity there. But I think, maybe I don't think brands always necessarily have to have like I don't know um uh you know the Emirates MBD podcast or the PwC podcast you know it could be something a lot more subtle um we work with one a legal firm and we've got this podcast with them which is, is doing amazingly well and it's called the case files okay so oh, that's um, a great name so yeah it's yeah, a decent yeah. one that's thanks to the guys um, in London but it's basically about all these kind of horror stories that have happened um well these legal horror stories that have happened um and we get the actual people that are involved in the stories so it might be this I know we did one about this doctor who performed these kind of unnecessary operations on his patients, which was super oh, wow. creepy. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> but yeah. but then right. like the people came on board and they talked about it and then they had the, the legal representative came on afterwards from the brand to say, well, this, it was how it was managed. And this is how we, you know, brought justice upon this. And this, they kind of had a whole discussion about it. And it's just really interesting human kind of stories, connections and content that people that, that really resonate with people and they can tell it really powerfully through a podcast. So the kind of brand becomes almost sort of more subtle but the I inference see. is that, it, oh, mm. right, these guys know what to go, like what they're doing. So if I have a problem or if I'm looking for legal advice, I can go to, to this brand. You know, they're trusted. You know, they know what they're doing, they're experienced. And then that's kind of, that's one way for a brand. So less kind of, you know, throwing it down people's faces, um, you know, the brand itself, like keeping it a little bit more subtle. And you, you make much more engaging content because you know you're never going to search for a podcast from a specific brand just because it's the brand you know you want to it's the content that's exactly. going to get you there 
So, yeah, and I think that that's a good thing. And then, you know, you can they're measurable. That's also why it's um, good for brands. Like, you can easily tell how many people have listened to podcasts, how many, um, where they're from as well. There's tools now where you can look at what countries they're from, uh, how long people listen to it as well. You know, you can look at views. So kind of from a sort of business outcome, it's it's it has really powerful stats um, and traditional ways to, to PR. Like sometimes you think, okay, I'll get a nice piece of content in three newspapers and you're just looking at like arbitrary metrics, like, you know, advertising value equivalent food, which <laughs> doesn't work. And then like you get reach. So it's just like, it's good ways. So I think there's just, um, yeah, the way I can, I can see why um, Heather had lots of um, brands in there in that podcast workshop because it, the people are getting quite excited about what they can do with them yeah but you something you said that i didn't consider because i thought okay it's a, co- a company or a brand it's gonna make a podcast i thought every i thought the podcast would be i don't know why i thought this but i thought it'd be like we're talking about like our brand how do we make this product or one two three something uh, like that but <laughs> using that case files example mm-hmm. that's a great way to connect it to that because that's something i want to listen to I'll, mm-hmm. i'd be interested to listen to and it connects to your brand but like you said you're not i'm not shoving it down your throat it's very authentic it's a story it's something yeah. you know something you can relate to yeah yeah and exactly. I, I didn't cons- i never considered that i thought it was much more like tactile and okay we will t- only talk about the brand yeah definitely yeah i would say definitely not i mean i think there's probably our podcast a bit about that but i would mm. imagine their listeners are probably <laughs> not so great um but yeah then there's ones like for example mastercard does this amazing podcast in the u.s and it's called fortune favors the bold um, and it's basically all around financial inclusion, but it's told in such a cool kind of gritty, like urban way. Um, and they have this amazing um, host that sort of has come on board to do it. And she's a, a former journalist and they've got this trailer as well that they've um, a video trailer that they filmed for it. And it's all filmed in like New York City and it's like mm. black and white and it's got this really cool music. And it's just these like really interesting stories around finance, but told in like a, a really powerful, like it's not at all vanilla way. Like, like it's actually really great content and yeah. they're doing some amazing stuff and definitely I think brands that can tell a story like for example Volkswagen has um has one a Canon um Middle East has one called Shutter Stories and it's all around um like stories from photographers and like how do you capture the, the ah, perfect cool. pictures so yeah. it's not like oh you know come and buy our cameras from <laughs> Canon um, it's like actually you know I'm a wildlife photographer and if okay. you want to capture an amazing kind of scene this is what you need to do so that's I think the way and as a listener you know listeners aren't you know they're not fools like we we listen because we're yeah. interested and we'll switch mm. off if, if we aren't so uh, the inference for the brand to do it is that you kind of by default you then you know it's a, a brand funded podcast yeah, um, but yeah. you'll you'll think favorably um, about that brand from it and then perhaps you know when you are looking for your next camera you're like okay well these guys obviously know what they're talking about yeah no exactly no that's a very that's a very very good point and all the names you mentioned for those podcasts sound great whoever's <laughs> been naming them has been spot on i love them it's so hard though like we, we're trying to always come up with different names for for podcasts and we're doing one at the moment and it's just we're literally it's just like brainstorming constantly and sometimes we're like oh we have a great idea we're like how about this and it's like so yeah it's fun yeah. doing that <laughs> and you guys launched your own podcast is it the 4dc podcast is that the podcast you guys launched or have I got that wrong? No, we have like a few. I mean, oh, um, okay, there's, oh, there's more than one. <laughs> yeah, I, okay. I think we have a couple. Like, I know we we kind of do. Um, we we have like one that we're we're launching at the moment in in Mina, but a lot of the time we're on other people's podcasts, and I think that's what we've been saying for brands 
as well like sometimes there's always an eagerness to to produce and default to produce straight away like mm. right you know I want to have my own podcast everyone's doing a podcast so let's do our own but um sometimes actually what makes more sense to be on other people's so we did um, one, one of our clients is called Tourism Island and they've just been on the Dukan Show um, okay. podcast kind of talking about that, um, with, um, which has been a really a good one. So thinking about leveraging other people's podcasts and followings um, is always good. Um, I think Rania Nawas has one called When Women Win. Um, I've heard of that one. So it's, a, it's brilliant, actually, a brilliant podcast. And being a guest on that podcast, then suddenly you're, you're accessing all of her followers, yeah, subscribers. Get, exactly. So. Yeah, no, that's true. That's so, actually, yeah. yeah, that's a smart way. It's not just about, don't think just about producing it. Yeah. Find other ways to get into the podcasting world without necessarily having to like make a podcast. You can be like the podcast yeah. guest that everyone speaks to. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then yeah. like you're kind of bu- you're not having to build up your audience from scratch. So because it is a time investment, like yeah, you know, for as, sure. as you kind of know with doing <laughs> yeah. your podcast, like you're yeah. doing constantly doing content. So rather yeah. sometimes than starting from scratch, unless you're prepared to really sort of take it seriously um and really put your time and effort in. Sometimes that's the way. Um but yeah, we've we've kind of got our own podcast, but it's good as well sort of you know almost being observers and and kind of um looking at the ecosystem and sort of helping people navigate their way through it too. sure so do you guys help companies let's say i'm a brand i came to you and you guys would help produce the podcast for us or is that mm-hmm. is, is that how it works so like the brainstorming the content or like walk us through like what would that look like yeah so yeah exactly as you say so okay. um we would um we would work with with you on in terms of literally piecing that podcast together from like start to finish okay. so it's it's fun actually like as you kind of get your skin skin under the feet get your feet <laughs> under the skin i can't even think of how to say it now but you get like you get underneath yeah. it that's what i was trying yeah. to say <laughs> um but yeah you look at like what the kind of goals are of of that podcast who the audience is um who the audience is that you want to reach and you start mapping out what does that content look like what does success look like you know is it downloads is it you're you're trying to change sentiment is it you're trying to make people think a certain way um are you trying to mobilize a behavior and once you kind of know that then you can start thinking about right you know what are what does our host look like so who Mm. do we want to speak to um you know is it from the what who are we is it from africa or middle east you know what audiences are we trying to attract so therefore the host needs to represent that um then from a content perspective you know trying to figure out like what we want to say and make it as engaging as possible and having a point to every episode um and that's just kind of the production part of it but then i guess the sort of fun part and also the most effective part is once you've done your podcast is trying to to, to distribute it properly and promote it and measure it so yeah. this i think there's about 18 different aggregator sites there's you know everything from Castbox to, to yeah um to anchor to a cast audio boom that there's there's so many to be on so thinking about which which platforms kind of suit you you best and then once you've done that i was almost how we do it is we treat each episode as almost a mini pr campaign so we would be like, okay, this podcast is all around, you know, I don't know, to take MasterCards, financial inclusion. So sure. we can then, how can we PR that? So one, we might have the YouTube um, piece that we have. We might create an audiogram for social media channels. We might create um, an op-ed piece as well that we can then push out through mm. to different media channels. And you can use the AI software as well. So you can literally pop that through the whole 
podcast and suddenly you get like a, a document which like is a literally transcript. the whole transcript it's, it's so cool oh that's awesome so yeah and there's so much you can do with that and then thinking about you know your, your host and your people on that podcast so treating them as your ambassadors to actually use their social followings to push out the podcast too so there's just um yeah there's, there's a lot of different ways it's almost yeah. just like just working it as hard as possible uh, and then measuring it after a while too so yeah yeah, it's a good one. Yeah, because uh, you said that on the on the webinar is maximizing the asset. Yeah. <laughs> so which is basically what you just talked about is trying to look at each episode and create as much pieces of content that you can from that episode. And another thing you said, which really like hit home for me. And I was like, when, after you said it, I was like, ah, shit. OK, <laughs> <laughs> so you said um, that. It's great to have a podcast. It's great to have great content. But if no one knows about it, like what's, you know, what are you gaining from that? And when you said that, I was like, yeah, I've been <laughs> slacking on social media big time. Oh, <laughs> so no, I, was, I'm, I was so happy you said it because it was kind of like the like wake up calling you and like, oh, we got to get back into this world. It's just not a world that I'm a fan of. Oh, I, yeah. It stresses me out to make content myself. It's just, I'm just not that guy. But I, we do the best. We do the best we can. So in terms of promoting the podcast, like you said, there's all those uh, the ways that you mentioned like audiograms youtube video and so on mm. are there what advice would you have for some for example to someone who would want to promote their podcast is it purely is social media the only like i'm sure that's the most obvious way but are there other ways mm. to promote that maybe i'm not aware of or people are missing that could pr prove actually to be very useful yeah um yeah that's a, a good one a good, and social media is probably like the the has to be part of the mix because of course, like yeah. it's it's so important yeah um but again like you know there's i mean we sort of tr treat each podcast you know you're thinking about every single thing so i guess it goes back to where where is your audience right so mm. you know your, your audience um if it's a consumer podcast or even a, or I don't know, maybe it's a podcast about cars. So yeah. you then might want to target as kind of the, the automotive um, news channels as well. So there'll be kind of like Arab GT, for example. So you could actually then try and use that podcast and that piece of content to actually, when we say sell in, um, actually create an article where the link to the podcast is in the article. So okay. you're, you're kind of driving listenership from um, viewership from that that kind of media publication to listen to your podcast. So we do that quite a lot. So we'll always with any podcast write about it, uh, write a blog post or write um, an article or, or write just just something based on what it's about. Um, and then that, because there's always interesting content in there. Yeah. Um, what also is, is really so then you can sell that into different magazines and, and publications and get them to run that article and hopefully embed the, the podcast link in it or drive people to Apple or SoundCloud or wherever to listen to it. Um, but yeah, other than that, there's a lot of things. I think even just thinking about, you know, it's, it's audio content so rendering some sound bites you know what we've done a few times before is um we take out you know a really powerful sort of 15 20 second quote yeah um, yeah yeah and then you can then try and um you can look to place that with um, a radio station so to, they can carry that as part of their news bulletins um but also even you know cross sell your podcast so i mean if you did go go down the kind of ad route then you know you can even speak to other podcasts that have the same type of database and all audience that you want to attract and yeah. even encourage kind of advertising or doing a short in-read or getting them to promote your podcast too and uh, I do think that's a good thing about this like community is it's not really like um even like with kerning cultures with yeah. uh with Heather so she has like I mean it, it 
everyone's very helpful and supportive yeah um, they are and like a couple of years ago and didn't happen this year but we had um the middle east podcast forum um okay. and everyone went there and it was a, a prof it was just a really nice like a community of people and people came from Saudi like all over like the Middle East and like it was just a series of conversations about what the latest is in the podcast space and how we can kind of help content creators and yeah. those that are keen to start their podcast and put them in touch with the right people uh, and she sort of spearheaded that so that was really um, amazing to sort of see that that come through but but yeah I think it's just really a combination of, of everything when you're promoting your podcast you're thinking about ultimately where is your audience you know some of them are going to be on facebook instagram you know linkedin then you've got youtube which is another kind of strategy because you're suddenly not just going after audio you're getting yeah, and the video too video. yeah yeah exactly because people listen and consume content in different ways like i sometimes prefer to listen like to a youtube one because you can see it and yeah. it, it feel like it works for me but then others might just want to just go running or whatever and True. tune in and zone out and listen to a podcast there so yeah there's just um a lot of ways we even with brands i mean this is on like the above the line type of content but we're doing media partnerships now with um brands to promote their podcast okay. so thinking about things like i don't know business insider forbes for example like they are now actively promoting podcasts too so okay it's just there's just a lot to do and i think yeah i suppose it depends on how um you know how much how much time how much budget you have to put behind it but yeah there's yeah. A, a lot of possibility yeah yeah for sure so f it's so interesting listening to how you speak to companies about their podcast like all the factors you're talking about the audience what <laughs> platforms and so on and i'm think i was just like listening to you i've been reflecting back on like how i started and everything i've been doing i'm like I just wanted to start a podcast and, like, <laughs> I've, and I've just gone with it and figured things out and tried to put it on as many platforms no, as possible. You're doing amazingly well. Like having like your like a podcast a week, like it's and it's brilliant. Like, I mean, I was thank you. And you've got some amazing, you've had some great like guests. And like, you know, I was saying before, um, before we came on, like I listened to the, the one just yesterday that you, you did with Ali and that, that was super powerful. And like, yeah, you've got like an amazing talent for speaking to people and like having conversations. It's just what you were saying. <laughs> like why you started it and yeah. yeah it's just it's just hopefully giving such a good platform to speak to people and people from this region want to to listen to people from here so true. it's good to kind that's of true. have that yeah thank you for so much for the kind words <laughs> i really appreciate it. that's very sweet uh yeah it is a week episode a week is very hectic guys just so you know <laughs> um but i you know like i said i was telling you earlier i love it this is this is like the dream, you know, it's even whatever happens, no matter, I don't know what's going to happen with the podcast in the future. Of course, I'd like this to be like my full time gig eventually. Um, but just the people I've met, the conversations I've had, the amount I've learned is so much fun. I just yeah. have so much fun doing it. I don't yeah. know how to explain it. Obviously, there's a lot of work behind the scenes that goes into it. Like when I first started, I didn't consider it as like work. And now eight months later and 40 episodes later i'm like no this is work <laughs> no no this takes a lot reaching out to people editing come you know researching questions so it's a whole thing but i think like you said it just comes down to what you want out of this mm. podcast and each person's different each person does it in different ways and one thing you also mm. said in the um webinar is that what's most important is the listener experience so i'm guessing that is the flow of the conversation audio quality because i've heard some podcasts that have terrible audio quality like i wouldn't if my podcast had bad audio quality even i wouldn't listen to it you know because that's the only thing i can do i prefer watching uh, on youtube personally yeah. that's why i added youtube as well 
So I just like sitting and watching a podcast. It's like I'm watching a show. Yeah. You know, but sometimes if I'm, if I'm running, okay, yeah, I'll put one on. But my mind goes all over the place when it's just audio. Like when I'm watching something, I'm very focused on that. Okay. <laughs> yeah. um, but the listening experience is important. But also you said a call to action. And that part is what I didn't understand. So when you say a call to action, what do you exactly mean by that? Like how would, what's a call to action for a podcast? Yeah, I mean, um, it's basically like getting, you know, if you want people to do something off the back of it, um, you know, that doesn't necessarily have to be like for, for every podcast. Um, but I think, you know, there needs to be a purpose to it. So what what is the, the reason for this? You know, what are we trying to, what do we want people to think? Where do we want people to go? You know, if it's a, a podcast on a, a specific topic, there might be a link to a site which could have tell you more about that. So for example, maybe it's um, a podcast on, I don't know, baking a cake, you know, you might want to have yeah. a link to the recipe um so just a, a call to action i think is important because it can it, it helps kind of hone in that that conversation um we did a, an interesting campaign a couple of weeks ago not through a podcast but it was all around um like this stalkerware um cyber security software that's actually quite um quite scary but we did it with the cyber security brand okay. and the call to action was you know visit the website if you think you've been affected and you can find out more and where to go so okay. i think podcasts are, are good from that side you know if you want to affect change or if you want people to do something or if you want if you've got a website and you want people to actually come and follow you so you can actually learn more about you and and your life and and actually if there's a link on there to all your other previous episodes then that would be a great kind of natural call to action so you know if you've enjoyed this podcast you check out my website and you can listen to kind of all the the 39 other episodes and which might be interesting for you so yeah call to actions are, are good I think sometimes they just they just help cement your audience and, and the loyalty factor because people are listening to this because they, they've invested in you, they, yeah. they like your style yeah. and how can you kind of make them sort of a really real big advocate? And that's yeah. one way to do it. That's true. We will add the call to action for the first time today. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, thank you. I, I didn't understand exactly what that meant, but it makes a lot of sense now, like after hearing you explain it. And one thing that you just said um, about loyalty and in the stats, you guys said 78% of people don't mind listening to an ad in the podcast and 68% of people will actually buy the product if they, if you, if there's someone that, like that you follow and that you enjoy. And I was trying to understand, I'm like, what's the reason behind that? Why is that so powerful? I get you, mm-hmm. you're connecting because you're connecting with the person, but you could, couldn't I say the same thing about like a big influencer who like posts about a product? Typically, the people are going to buy that product. So if you're comparing the two like influencer influencer like selling or branding or marketing compared to like a podcast which do you do you think is more successful and why 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 is the other one more successful yeah that's also that's a good one i mean i think well i'm probably i think where I think where it um, hosts win real big because if you think about radio stations as well and you think again going back to, to people like Chris Fade and you know, mm-hmm. whether, whether you like him or, or hate him uh, he has a, a great sort of personality and people invest in him people listen to that podcast because they like him yeah so if he suddenly comes along as part of the the, the kind of broadcast and says oh by the way you know I've launched uh, or you might be interested in this um, and you know he has his own kind of Fade Fit brand as well which is is hugely because of of the popularity and people would buy that because they like him Mm. but if he's suddenly kind of endorsing something then 
that then carries a, a lot of extra weight. Um, people like, um, you know, I listen to Jamila Jamil's Iway podcast and a few of Jay Shetty's podcasts and every so often they talk about a different thing, but it's actually personal to them. It doesn't feel like they're promoting something really random that wouldn't necessarily you think fit with them like sometimes you wouldn't think oh I wouldn't expect them to be talking about that it's always something that you think that makes sense from like who they are as a person like mm. uh, and what they talk about so suddenly it carries that extra weight and I think because you you kind of you're so I mean podcasts have some of the highest trust levels out of all media because you so buy into that individual and it becomes this sort of almost like you're part of this intimate conversation where it's just you and that podcast host and you're just listening to what they say and you trust them so what they like you trust their opinion and that's why you think okay that might work for me yeah um when comparing it with with influencers i mean they of course have their their own like, weight and following and yeah an image and you know yeah. how they are yeah but sometimes there's so much a little like there's so much i guess gray areas with influencers because you, you know for sure well it's, it's the same with a brat with a podcast as well they've been paid also but yeah. sometimes it just feels a bit more i think anyways a bit more um commercialized and you like okay i can see that this, this post has been sponsored by x brand they've obviously been paid x for to promote this and to say this yeah but i think it just feels a bit more unobtrusive on a podcast i, I don't know why because it is sort of the same thing but um but you know from the stats that we've seen like you know recall for ads in podcasts is super high mm. um and it's interesting to see like actually from from our research anyways yeah. how many people um that hear a brand mentioned in a podcast actually go on to sort of invest and buy it as well so yeah yeah i think the point you the point you mentioned about uh with uh influencers that there's a you, there can be a great area sometimes i was thinking in a I think you can promote an image on social media very well. You could easily promote, I'm this kind of person when you're not that kind of person. But I think if you're listening to a podcast and it's a conversation, who you really are is going to come out at some point. I don't think you can filter yourself for like an hour and a half and pretend you're not <laughs> to be a person that you're not. Yeah. So maybe that's why in the podcasting world, there might be a bit more trust. Yeah, that's a really good point. I hadn't thought of it that way. And yeah, that's that's probably true because you sometimes think on you know, on Instagram, you see these videos and you're like, okay, you know, you get like 30 seconds of that person. Yeah, exactly. Um, and they probably like rehearsed that and edited it to like the nth degree. So you're kind of like, okay, that's they look great. It's yeah. very polished. Um, mm. But yeah, with the podcast, as, as absolutely, as you say, like it's a lot longer form content. I don't know how much you could keep this sort of, so I don't know, like facade, facade across, yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah, may maybe it can be done, who knows? But, um, yeah. but yeah, maybe that is why, and that could be why there's so much trust in them. Yeah, exactly. And the thing you mentioned about uh, branding, you said that with, with Jay Shetty's example and so on, the brands they, or what the, the sponsors they have and that they, they've promoted typically are maybe in line with like what they do. Now, let's say you're a podcast, you want to monetize, a brand comes and wants to sponsor you, but has absolutely nothing to do with what the brand of your podcast is and your message. Do you think, would you advise someone to take that or should you be actively seeking out the ones that truly and only resonate with your brand? Because I feel, okay, this is great. You might make some money, but I think your Im the image in the long term, like it's good in the short term, but the long term, I think it affects your credibility a little bit. Yeah, exactly. And and listeners will see through that. Like exactly, they'll yeah. they'll just be like, "Well, that's strange. Like why?" And that just feels like you're kind of selling out maybe or um but but equally as well like, you know, I'd also question it for the brand. Like why would they why they wouldn't they shouldn't come to you 
because you're just the, the face of, of something and think, okay, right, this this person's popular. I want to capitalize on their their celebrity. Or for example, you know, they they need to make sure that for them that they're speaking to the right audience. So you sh- usually the tie ups between the host, you know, the podcast and the brand are quite seamless and they work quite well because there's there's a kind of commonality in terms of what they're trying to do yeah. and the audience they're trying to reach sure. so it might make sense for um you know a language podcast that's all around you know i don't know learning spanish or arabic to kind of um promote like a, a rosetta stone sort of um yeah. language app there you go yeah. because that's that makes sense with them it probably would make less sense for them to have to promote um I don't know uh, something completely different that didn't yeah. I can't think of anything but yeah, but they wouldn't even speak to their same audience <laughs> but um, but yeah I guess and you have to be quite forensic with that as well but um to make sure that the kind of it, it makes sense and that kind of that who you are as that individual the brand it suits the brand and and likewise as well like for example we're, we're doing this um podcast at the moment for this like um, amazing financial brand and the host that we've had we've had to kind of forensically go through their their social channels to make sure they're sort of squeaky clean and they haven't you know said a tweet five years ago that would mm. could land them in trouble again like if they're associated with this so yeah again it, it's um it's really you have to do like your, your due diligence and i think from a, a podcast a host perspective or someone who's has their own podcast and you're making sure that you've got a, a cool brand tie up if if there is one that you, you really like working with you're making sure that you're kind of on the same spa- page your, your values are the same yeah. you know you're speaking to the right audience it, it seems natural because otherwise listeners will just see through it yeah exactly i've always been i haven't had any sponsors in the podcast yet but my vision has always been and maybe i'm being naive and maybe it might make me miss some opportunities but i was always like if it's a product that I would use or a sponsor that something that I would actually like use myself, then I'm more than happy to share that because, okay, I'm not pretending uh, like, oh yeah, I use this product, but I really don't. Mm. I think that's my vision for it. I don't know if that, yeah. we'll find out in time what's going to happen, I guess, but that's my vision. Yeah. At least. I don't know. That's so, that's absolutely because like, you know, your podcast is almost your personality. It's like yeah, exactly. it's yeah. what you're into. So yeah, having something that really like speaks to that is it's super important. Yeah. And one thing uh, that I've heard some podcasts do uh, from a monetization perspective is licensing. Now, this is, I've never understood this part and I don't know how it works. So I was hoping you could explain because my, my podcast, like many podcasts, this is free content. You could listen mm-hmm. to it anywhere. Anyone could play this content. So how does I don't understand how licensing comes into that. How do, yeah. Could you walk us through like, how that works? Yeah, I mean, I guess it's, it's still quite a new thing, but um, yeah. For example, like Russell Brand's podcast now um, in the UK, he's he's kind of gone on to Luminary, which is the first kind of podcast behind a paywall platform. Um, and that's now you have to pay for it. Um, and that's okay. like, that's very new. But I think maybe that is definitely is, will be where this whole like, this whole ecosystem goes. Um, if you think about this, like the most mature podcast markets out there are sort of South Korea, China and Taiwan and that's how they all consume content you know all of their content is behind a paywall really it's all so, subscription based exactly wow it's okay I didn't crazy. know that I yeah didn't know that. and they've like always been doing that and they listen to podcasts in a completely different way to how we do it and they listen for they're mostly education driven podcasts so you listen as kind of a form of um sort of formal education and learning rather that you know you don't have the news-based podcast the entertainment-based podcast we mm. have out here so it's it's different but yeah they're kind of um they are sort of they are used to podcasts behind a paywall and i guess 
you know, if you look at how the market's going and how we're sort of closing in in terms of listener figures, you know, and now Luminary's kind of launched as the first kind of platform where people have to spend to listen. Mm. That might be how, how it goes. Um, yeah. But yeah, the licensing thing is, is different. And it, I mean, it's a whole sort of new area. And yeah. I think that's the, the kind of interesting thing about this whole platform is that podcasts are quite quite new in a way in, or they're not I mean but they are and it's like it's yeah. just like how <laughs> things are going it's like and it's like we're all kind of like learning together yeah, um but exactly. even like the Middle East it's it's still like um it, you know it's still a little bit in its infancy but for sure like when we were kind of banging the drum for podcasts you know for well over a year now and even when we were trying to sort of sell podcasts kind of last year to brands they were still a little bit like oh is it you know is it good it's it's a bit new I think we'll kind of stick with what we're doing but but now everyone's doing them and they're mainstream and that's the great opportunity for for them and it's and it's exciting to kind of have this this ecosystem where everyone sort of wants to to get involved but I think there's a a lot of learning that has to be done because as you've mentioned there's some amazing ones but then there's what like some kind of um you know terrible ones to be honest (laughs) so it's like trying to find some great content and like actually like then promote them properly um and then yeah go from there but yeah yeah. that's i never (laughs) knew that in like the far east it was all subscription subscription based that's very interesting because in my mind the beauty of the of a podcast and the power of it was always that it was free you know that was free Mm -hmm. content that's how it had the biggest that's probably how it They've, it's become at the forefront of like media right now because mm. everyone could get into it and you didn't have there was no barriers to entry I didn't need to pay for yeah. something I can just start one or I could just go listen to one whenever I wanted yeah but thinking about like moving forward I think you're right that subscription it might become the norm because I'm thinking about Spotify okay they just bought Joe Rogan's podcast to yeah. be exclusive now it's for free mm. but for example I'm a Spotify subscriber already so is it still free? Is it free? Yeah. You know what I mean? I was just thinking, I'm like, okay, it's, it might not be like advertisers now. I have to, you don't, but you don't have, you can have the, uh, uh, the free version and still listen to it for free. But it, yeah. it gives you that push to be like, you know, maybe I should just, you know, get the subscription, like the, like pay for the subscription. Exactly. So it's interesting. Yeah. And like Spotify, I've done, like, they've been so aggressive in the podcast yeah. space. Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. They're like the Netflix of um, the kind of audio world. Like Spotify has been really kind of keen yeah. to sort of like wrangle some of the, the lion's share of the voice away from Apple and they've done it. Like, yeah. and they, they spent that. I can't remember how much they paid for um, Joe Rogan's podcast. hundred, hundred million. Yeah. Insane. Yeah. Like, and that's like, that is going to literally push them so much further away um, from, from Apple. But, you know, Apple's, I think, has sort of missed a couple of tri- tricks on the way. But now, like, they have this whole idea with, with Apple TV and creating mm. podcast series that are exclusive for Apple. Uh, that then going to be kind of played out there. So, yeah, are they yeah. a bit too late to the game? Like, who knows? But, yeah. um, you know, the fact that we've got out here, we've got Deezer now uh, for the Middle East, you know, SoundCloud's a great yeah. one. I know that yeah, your podcast on, on that one yeah. too. So, yeah, and Angami's doing uh, like um, um, well as uh, also. You have Stitcher, you have like Acast, Audio Boom, like Buzzsprout. So there's just these really like, it's just so so many kind of different channels and they're making like, as you say, the barrier to entry is like, is low. It's low, exactly. Like people can do it on their smartphone if, if they wanted to. Literally, um, yeah. So yeah. Literally, yeah. You just so get a smartphone recorded and there you go. Yeah, Honestly. and like they're not bad. Like, you know, the, the fact that tech's getting like, it's increasing it's getting more advanced you can do more with like the devices that you have and like yeah. this you know it's, it's essentially just audio and radio on demand so yeah some, yeah some good stuff you can do yeah for sure um 
I wanted to come back to the PR side of things. So I'm not very, I don't really understand PR personally. Okay, so I wanted to get some <laughs> advice. <laughs> um, and I was thinking, okay, first of all, is when it comes to PR, is doing PR for a brand different than doing it for an individual? Do you understand what I mean? So let's say I'm a company, we come to you, we're like, sure, we'd like you to do, be, do our PR for us. Or mm -hmm. I can be, I'm like a public figure or something, I can come to you and be like, hi, Cheryl, I'd also like to do my PR. Yeah. Is it different when you're doing it for an individual and for a company or do the same rules apply? Um, I think the same, the same rules do apply because okay. you're, you're, even if you're a person, you're still, that person is, you think of them almost as a brand, you know, okay. yeah. they stand for a certain values, um, they, they, they are about a certain uh, certain thing. They they want to be known for a certain thing as well. So so yeah, like brands and people, like you know, it's it's almost it's the same. But there's always different challenges, and you know, no two brands are the same. Like it's it's so everything you do has to be so specific, and it's so individual. I mean, like I've been sort of in this industry for a sort of 13 years now and yeah. every brief we get like it, it's so different there's a whole new set of challenges and considerations to think about and that's kind of what what keeps it in interesting but but yeah like um you know it, it's understanding like we've done some pr once for like you know sort of quite senior sort of figures um and for royalty as well and like managing their reputations there's probably a lot more that comes into it when it's the the individual yeah um you know crisis comes for example like you know thinking about if if something badly goes wrong or someone says something you know what do you say like what is the, the image you know how do you how do you damage control or what do you say to the press so yeah, there's yeah. A, a lot of things about that but equally as, as well like there's um yeah the, it's just it's just understanding I think always going back to the same thing you know who is it that you're trying to speak to and what do you want them to think about yeah. you that is like is, is public relations and yeah it's managing people's reputations whether that's a, an individual whether that's a brand like yeah. you're still looking to do the same yeah okay that's interesting okay I because like you made a good point that with an individual it might be a little more sensitive yeah yeah because like you said any something bad happens then it's like you're not just defending a company you're not trying to protect the company you're trying to protect the individual which i think could be yeah. much more challenging and you know the f okay i want to ask you about this do you know the famous the famous saying there's no such thing as bad publicity <laughs> do you agree or do you disagree and why um that's a really hard question. I, I don't think, I think there is such thing as bad publicity for okay. sure, because it can be so damaging. But like, however, there's um sometimes actually, and there's a, this is an example from back in the UK. Okay. Uh, there was this, um there's this story, it was on um, a program called like, uh, it was ITV's This Morning. Uh, and it was basically, um, it called this whole, whole uproar. Uh, in the tube in London, there was this um, big poster and it was a poster campaign and it was around, um, I think it was around, oh yeah, it was basically around these kind of like um, getting, was it some exercise pills or something? I should, maybe it wasn't so good because I don't remember the brand. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, the actual kind of ad campaign I do remember. And it had this like this uh, woman in this like bikini on there. And she was saying, you know, I feel great because I'm kind of bikini ready and I'm on holiday. And it's basically down to this brand that I've been able to do that. And that, um, that was deliberately 
deliberately provocative because it caused so much kind of divisive opinion um, for people and commuters. You know, people are like, how, you know, this is awful that she's been sort of objectified like this. And that's like actually, you know, making people feel bad about themselves, saying this is what you have to do to kind of be this certain way. And it caused this big kind of um, divisive, diversive opinion. I remember being at work at the time and we, um, in this, when I used to work for um, for Lewis and we sat mm. around in our press brief, uh, briefing and we discussed this and we were like, well, what do you think? Like, is this, um, is this good? And some of the girls in the office were like, no, this is really bad. And they talked about it on ITV this morning um, and they had the marketing person on there and they talked about why he did it that way. And they said how bad it was and they tried to vilify him basically but sales of that brand um for this uh for, for what they were selling went actually up by about i think like five times just literally wow. from that list people looking at that advert and it was they they got so much sort of bad press from it but it actually impacted their sales in a massive way exactly so can bad press be good like yes definitely yeah. Yeah. um but also like that there are times when you know there's a, a lot of pharmaceutical and medical brands when they've just had constantly sort of bad press and you know that then ultimately makes you think certain way about that mm. company so then yeah. it is is super hard so i definitely think you know bad press is bad press it can be bad <laughs> for your brand but then yeah. you, there are ways that you can actually spin it to make a conversation exactly so, yeah yeah and i can imagine <laughs> something you said about like that's a great example and how everyone you know reacted in that way yeah. and especially you know how nowadays everyone like globally like you know with cancel culture and all that it's so everyone's like so sensitive right now like you mm -hmm. have to say it's almost like if you say something i i saw so, i'm sorry to you guys i'm sorry to this i didn't mean this <laughs> and that so for pr i can imagine that adds n like a much higher layer of like pressure because the image you're trying to put out you want to make sure you're not Mm. ruffling any feathers in other ways does that, does that happen with you guys um yeah i think so and then um but it's yes yeah, it's, it's, it's can be really challenging yeah. and sometimes when you're you're working for very like sensitive topics like when um just going back to the pope's visit to the uae back in february um that was at a time when there's a, a lot of bad things happening within the catholic church yet at the same time we were promoting the kind of unity between the catholic and the muslim faith kind of coming together and that could have Although from here, this was seen as super positive, you know, yeah. great that this, you know, things happening and, and in the year of tolerance, what better yes. year to be having this yeah. uh, meeting. But globally, media were super cynical about it. Mm. Um, they yeah. were, they thought, mm, this is strange. You know, why is this happening? You know, these cultures coming together and it, it could have been very, the coverage we got um, could have been very different. Yeah, um, yeah. And I think some people, when we talk to people about working on the Pope, they're like, oh, well, that must have been so easy. I mean, obviously, all the world's media will cover it. Yes, you know, they yeah. will, but, but that's not the point. The point mm. is that, that getting to cover it in the right way is making sure you're controlling the message. And typically, um, it's how we sort of approached that project because it was it's so sensitive and we literally we had a million sort of stakeholders up to the highest level yeah i can imagine laser oh eyes my God. <laughs> on everything um, and wanting to see everything yeah. so it was so it was super super intense um so um for my last few questions cheryl um number one i started asking my guests on the podcast this recently and the reason i started and the reaction that i've gotten has been pretty amazing because we get so busy every, like we're so busy in life everyone was thinking of the next goal i'm working every day you know you never take the time mm -hmm. to sit back and reflect so we're going to do that right now okay. so looking back over the last few years what would you say 
is your proudest moment or what are you most proud of? Oh, gosh. Wow. Uh, that's yeah, a really usually, good question. Yeah, that's usually the reaction. <laughs> um, wow. Um, for me, like, I suppose for me, like, this probably sounds a bit um, cheesy, but um, I, I think I'm really proud of the fact that we are doing something completely different in this, this region. Um, when we like I first came out, it was literally me, a desk and a phone book of, of numbers to call and try and encourage people to actually sort of take a, a punt on a, an agency that no one had heard of and but do some amazing stuff and yeah now six years on like we're you know a, a team of 15 where we're still small but we're, we're working with some of the world's biggest brands like that's what I'm proud of I'm proud of like what we've achieved as a, as a team and I work with like some incredible people like they're yeah. super talented they're so passionate and they're so energetic about what they do and yeah, it's inspiring to kind of work with people like that that actually push you to do something and, and, and to make yourself want to be better. So, yeah, I guess I'm, I'm it's not like a specific moment, moment yeah. but yeah. I'm proud of kind of the, the, what we've kind of gone, what, the journey that we've been on, I yeah, guess, yeah. and what we're still on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, but that's awesome. Uh, I think, you know, like you said, to go from sitting at that desk by yourself, <laughs> calling all those people, I resonated with that so much because I used to work in sales. So my whole life was just that cold calling people every yeah. day like hey we have a product would you like it <laughs> so i can yeah. i resonate with how hard that was yeah. uh and congratulations on getting here after six years and building what you guys have built it's pretty awesome so and i know how much work that probably must have taken so oh, that's thanks. awesome <laughs> and for my last question that i ask all my guests cheryl is what is the message that you'd like people to take home with them today wow um you've got some good questions at the end <laughs> i feel like yeah <laughs> um <laughs> What would I, um, I think for me, like I would just say, this is again, this sounds so cheesy. I need to work on some like less cheesy cheese, stuff. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but I, w I would say like, someone always told me it was like, was to dream big. Okay. Um, just there's nothing stopping anyone. Like I grew up in a very small town. Like I didn't go to a particularly good school. Like, but I think if you're determined and you want to do something and you believe in yourself I think having a belief is so important because I used to not like I used to be really mm. well I still sort of am sometimes but I used to be really sort of shy and, and quite introverted and not not at all confident sure. um, but it's only really I think when people believe in you for me anyways and when I was given this opportunity out here I guess it kind of proved to me that someone kind of trusted what I was doing yeah so yeah, I'd say that then instilled a kind of self-belief to sort of to be great and to kind of make a difference and to do something that was was kind of innovative. Um, so, yeah, I'd say like that's the message to to leave people with. You know, yeah. you can you your only person that's going to hold you back is yourself. 100%. So, um, you know, go for it. Go for it. Indeed. <laughs> and why not? 2020 is why, a year. <laughs> yeah, there's every time to go for it. Now is the time. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Cheryl, I think that's a beautiful message. And I think myself included, I feel the same way. And I think a lot of people could relate to that and, you know, would appreciate that. So thank you so much for your time today and for coming on the show. This has been amazing. It's been oh, so much fun. And I learned so much from you. And I think anyone either looking to start a podcast or a brand looking to work on a podcast <laughs> guys listen to this episode all the juicy information is right here so thank you Cheryl. i really oh, appreciate it thanks Khaled. thank you it was great meeting you as well and yeah amazing work on this podcast and thanks for inviting me on thank you so much i really appreciate it guys to everyone thanks so much for listening and as always hope it helps peace <laughs>